when I moved here, there were about uh, 370 feature films made a year, and there were about 120 television shows. Now there's 400-some television shows, and there's about 65 features made a year. So, again, a lot of this is ego. A lot of this is name. A lot of this is about whether or not something's done on the big screen. Well, I got bad news for the planet. Uh, most people don't actually watch stuff on the big screen anymore. Listening to Inside Acting, a podcast dedicated to demystifying the inner and outer game of success in the entertainment industry. I'm AJ Meyer. And I'm Trevor Algod. And coming up today in episode 291, AJ sits down for part one of a two part chat, another updated chat with a brilliant and supportive past guest, Mr. Kevin E. West. And this time, Kevin is here to tell us all about his work with the nonpartisan SAG-AFTRA advocacy group, Union Working. So in part one today, we're going to hear about how this group was started, get a bit of a history lesson on both the merger as well as how we arrived at the current commercial climate, and uh, begin to wax, wax philosophical on the future of media and what the union will need to do in order to keep up. That and a bit more coming up in episode 291. Support for this episode of Inside Acting is brought to you in part by Rehearsal Pro, the current version of Rehearsal, the essential app for actors. And it's now available on the iTunes App Store. So if you want to learn your lines, be off book for your auditions, explore your character, make stronger choices and do a whole lot more. Go to Rehearsal.pro slash IAP right now to learn about all the great new features in the newest version of Rehearsal, the groundbreaking app designed by actors for actors. That's Rehearsal.pro slash IAP and by printheadshots.com, superior headshot printing. At printheadshots.com, all orders include free shipping, free retouching, free layouts, free proofs, and no hidden fees. You don't pay a dime until you approve your proofs. And you can use promo code IA, that's IA as in inside acting, to get $10 off your order. Most orders arrived within just a day or two, so for superior printed headshots with unparalleled turnaround time, visit printheadshots.com and be sure to use promo code IA for $10 off. Printheadshots.com. Superior headshots at the lowest price, guaranteed. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 291. AJ, how you doing? Hello, sir. It's very official today. Yes, yes. Hello, sir. Hello, hello. Hello, Good hello. To see you. So, um, uh, just a, a couple, well, just one little thing, really. Uh, we're still rocking the Working Wednesday thing, and it is always such a joy to see what people are doing on Wednesdays as they work it, work at this career. So, whatever you're doing on Wednesday, send us a tweet, uh, or just send a tweet and just include the hashtag Working Wednesday, and we'll be sure to retweet it to our community. And it's just a good, a cool way that, that uh, Grace has come up with to help sort of connect people and and uh, and create a nice climate of like hustling. As far as um, catch ups go, um, hey, surprise, surprise, you've been auditioning a lot. What's what's going on? 
Surprise, surprise. Yeah, the summer was really dry in my experience. Uh, I don't know what it, the climate was like for other people, but did not have a ton of auditions over the summer. And then all of a sudden, the last couple of weeks, things have just like been uh, firing away. I've had on tape auditions, in person auditions, musical theater auditions, uh, guest star on television auditions and, and voiceover auditions all within the span of a couple of weeks. So it's been uh, challenging, uh, not quite finished yet. I, I'm going to be receiving um, some expert coaching on my voiceover animation demo from this gentleman I know uh, by, goes by the name of Trevor Algat, who uh, who does that sort of thing, uh, just sort of on the side because uh, he's so awesome. And uh, and then I will be done with this sort of like influx of of auditions that all sort of came in at once. And and like, like I said, they were all varied and challenging. And even the one that should have been the most normal what is normal the most straight ahead like oh it's just you know me playing a role that i've technically already played on television for this guest star audition and then to throw something into the mix they were like oh by the way you have to speak a different language so never a dull moment um but it was it was really cool i it was a it was Pashtu, which is the same language I spoke in gospel according to first squad. I, I remembered who acted as our translator for that show, reached out to her on Twitter again. And, um, she's not doing it anymore, but she, she sort of recommended a friend of hers who is currently stationed in Afghanistan translating for the U S military. So that was my translator for this, uh, for this audition. So I got really lucky with all the support uh, from f strangers on social media to Jasmine to Ben Whitehair who helped me put stuff on tape. And now I'm getting coaching from my other best friend, Trevor, on this. So, uh, you know, it takes a village, right? And I, I will take all the support from, from anywhere that, that I can get it. And then, of course, do my damnedest to, to, to give back, give that support back. That is so cool. And so you, did you Skype or phone call or how did you connect with this translator in Afghanistan? He, well, I just, I sent him the script and it was, it was really interesting because there was a minor sort of language barrier, not a huge one, just a minor sort of like, um, you know, I don't think English is his first language. And then also he's not an actor and doesn't really understand the world. So when I sent him the script, he actually translated every single line in the script, not just the ones for my character. Uh, and then I had to say like, hey, this is awesome. Would you mind, you know, just doing this one character's line? And then would you mind saying it in English first and then in uh, Pashtu? And so he, he re-recorded. He was super sweet. Um, but it was just this sort of like back and forth as, as we sort of got on the same page. And then once he sent it to me, I, I did exactly what I did for gospel. I, I took them, I edited them together so that, uh, the English, he said the English first. And then he said the Pashtu twice after that, like I literally, you know, copy and pasted so that it, so that it sounded, it sounds very, when I'm done with it, it sounds very much like a, like a tape you might listen to if you were going to visit you know, some other country and you're trying to learn how to say, where's the restroom, <laughs> you know, things like that. And then I also use, um, audacity because GarageBand doesn't allow you to do this. I don't know if logic does Trev, but GarageBand doesn't allow you to do this, but audacity, which is free, allows you to change the tempo 
of audio without changing the pitch. So I was able to slow it down by like 25, 30%. So I could really catch the nuances of the, the language. Um, and that's something that, that, uh, I found just a nice little trick that you can do with audacity. If anyone's out, if anyone out there listening to this ever has to, to, to do something like that, that's a, that's a cool little trick. Oh, that um, is so cool. So he recorded like what on his phone or something and then just emailed them to you. He recorded on his phone and I'm not sure why he didn't email them to me. He actually ended up sending them to me on Facebook. I think he may have actually used like Facebook's built in recorder and that's why. And I wasn't about to like ask questions or coach him on the technical aspects of this. I was just like very grateful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I ended up having to use my screen capture software to hit record on that and then press play on the stuff that he sent me in Facebook. So it was funny. I was sitting there putting all this together, doing the screen capture, dropping it into GarageBand, editing it together, exporting it, dropping it into Audacity, uh, you know, uh, slowing down the tempo. And I was thinking to myself the whole time, like, thank God I have this skill set of the technical side of things because it supports me so much with my acting career, uh, not only in the sort of business and marketing aspect that I teach with the digital actor workshop, but just in terms of just making this, like I had so many other things going on and, and, and for instance, putting the, the, the musical theater audition on tape and everything that I ended up having to leave all of this to the, the night before this audition, that was the best I could do. And so I was sort of scrambling to put this together so that I could you know, pull a rehearsal pro and like put it on repeat while I was doing the dishes, for instance. Um, and then, and then do the same thing when I woke up the next morning. And, and I thought it sounded pretty authentic by the time I was done with it. Um, especially having had the experience of doing gospel according to first squad. So mm. thank goodness for that skill set. Mm. And this was an in-person audition or did you put yourself on tape? It was, it was, it was on, it was on the lot. There's a new show coming. It actually premieres next week as of this recording called seal team it's going to be on cbs um it's david boreanaz's new show that guy like has been so smart about his career he has he has just not stopped working since uh since the buffy days it's it's crazy so yeah it's his new show or you know he's the lead in it and it's going to be on cbs and um uh, that's what the audition was for and I, i was actually on the cbs lot for the audition dude that is so cool yeah lots of uh technical and social relationship wizardry that you had to work for that one but it's cool to hear how you made it work i just i I, you're so you very ingeniously handled uh, all the different technical and social barriers that i think would have tripped up a lot of people so well well job brother well job yeah they they were willing to let it you know someone go in and do the lines in English with an accent, but I was like, I've done this. I know how to do this. So I, I didn't want to pass up on the opportunity to go in and, and, and do something really unique. So yeah. Awesome. Congratulations. Thanks, man. Well, we have a question that we want to respond to briefly before we roll into the interview with Kevin. But before we do that, we want to give a big, huge, loving shout out to VO2Gogo.com, who you guys know or should know if you haven't checked them out yet. Check them out. They are the award-winning voiceover training system and winner of Backstage's Reader's Choice Award for Best Voiceover Training four years in a row. 
They are awesome. They have taught me everything I know about voiceover, and I continue to learn as the course material is updated as technology and the industry evolves. So you can visit vo2gogo.com slash start for a free getting started in voiceover online class that will help you add voiceover to your acting portfolio or at least show you what it's all about. And it's pretty cool. It is a free course. You do it all online from the comfort of your home, in your pajamas, in front of your computer, and it will show you what voiceover is really all about and how you can get up and running and start making money with your voice, with a microphone, with a laptop, and a quiet space. Uh, check it out. V-O, the number two, gogo.com slash start. And the question this week comes from Andrea. And um, Andrea wrote in and she said um, that she wants to pursue acting full time and she has plans to move to Los Angeles. And if she were single, she would move tomorrow. But she's in a committed partnership and she says her partner is not ready to move. Uh, Her partner is trying to move up in his company and uh, his mother has health issues, which causes her to rely on him to help with physical chores and errands. So he's pretty locked in there for this foreseeable future. Uh, She says she does have an agent in Phoenix and she's been going on auditions for the last year, but she hasn't booked anything yet. And she recently met with her agent to discuss marketing opportunities and see what they could do. But uh, the agent explained that the market in Arizona isn't really a great place to make a full-time living as an actor. How can I pursue my dream of being a full-time actor and maintain my relationship? Do you guys know anyone who commutes to L.A. for auditions? And will casting directors watch audition tapes of actors who don't have L.A. representation? So, mm, lots to dig into there. Let's start with the relationship because that that seems to be something that is you know a, a deciding factor in keeping her where she is. Any thoughts on that part of the question, AJ? There's always prioritization that we get to do as artists, as actors. You know, um, I spoke last episode, for instance, about like, well, if I was to book, you know, some some gig that took me away from my thrival job, would I, am I in a position right now where that would be a good idea to take that? Like, these are the kinds of decisions that we're kind of always making until we don't have to anymore, or, you know, the decisions become different types of decisions. So it's like, um, should I do this job or that job, which is obviously like a more fun, you know, choice to make, but still a choice. We, we, we all, you know, get to make choices. And I remember, And I've said this on the podcast before, but I like bringing it up because it was so helpful when I was trying to make the decision about moving to New York with Heather's Jasmine said to me, you know, there's no right or wrong here. There's just a path that you go down and everything that happens after that. So, you know, take the it it sort of feels based on the language of the email that she that Andrea feels a little bit pressure from, you know, being pulled in these two directions, so to speak. Um, So so just you know, know that whatever choice you are making is the right one for you because you're making it. The, the, the long distance thing can absolutely work. It's about, you know, the level of commitment and what you guys are, you know, wanting to do. It's, it's interesting to me, for instance, Trevor, you're talking about making the long distance thing work and she's talking about staying there and making the long distance, (laughs) making the long distance relationship with her acting career work, you know, where, where it's like, should I commute to LA? Um, the answer to that is yes, by the way. I know tons of people 
who will come from all over to a major market in order to audition. Um, I have, we have podcast listeners who come from Tahoe and, and the Bay area to come down to, to LA and, and people here who have regional agent representation will go from LA to New Mexico or LA to um, Portland to, to audition or, or, or if they, if they were to, to book something, your reps in Arizona have a point you know, there's not, it's just, it's about the amount of work, uh, you know, when she says, or he says, she, she explained that the market in Arizona isn't really a great place to make a full-time living. One thing I will say sort of as a a, addition to that is there's really nowhere where making a full-time living is, is is, where it's a great place to make a full-time living as an actor that that sort of doesn't exist. I, you know, Trevor and I live in Los Angeles. We're not making our full-time income from acting. That takes a long time and a lot of work and a, and, and a bit of luck to stay there once you, once you are there. So I would say kind of put that out of your mind. It, it, It don't, don't, don't think that, if you move to Los Angeles, you're going to be a full-time actor. That's not a, that's not really a, a thing until, until it is. And as far as the last question, will casting directors watch audition tapes of actors without LA representation? It depends on the casting director. The short answer is yes, it does happen. It helps to have some kind of in, but if you somehow get a hold of the breakdowns and you self submit and you're very, very specific about the role, it fits you to a T and you say, I'm so-and-so I, you know, blah, blah, you know, this is my, I I'm perfect for this role. Here's, you know, me reading the sides to prove it. Um, and you're really good. There's a chance you could get called in for a callback or, or, or something else. I would also try to enroll your Arizona representation into supporting you with something like that. So that if she or you see something on the breakdowns that is perfect, you can go, look, I don't care if you have a relationship with this casting director in Los Angeles. It is your job to support me in getting jobs. So submit me, introduce yourself, you build a relationship with this person and get them to watch my tape. Because the worst that could happen is they don't and you're in the same place you were before. Um... I think that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> hmm. Well said. I got nothing to add. That's uh, that's that's everything right there. There's a lot of little hurdles that will pop up as you pursue that path. Um, but I think that that's really the, the crux of it. Everything that you just said, AJ. Well said. Well said, man. Oh, thanks. <laughs> all right. Well, let's roll into part one of your chat with Kevin, shall we? Yeah, absolutely. This was such a nuts and bolts type of interview regarding the state, the state of the union, really, a really informative interview. I would recommend this. This would be recommended listening to anybody who has questions about the union and, and, and its place in our lives and in, and in the industry.
everyone. I am actually interviewing over Skype. We've got another awesome Skype interview with someone you're probably already familiar with, especially if you have gone back and listened to all of our episodes or, uh, you know, have uh, been with us for some time. Um, I can't remember your episode numbers, Kevin, but uh, we are sitting here, I am sitting here, over Skype with Mr. Kevin E. West, one of our uh, alums, our guest alums from Inside Acting, and so excited to talk with him about something uh, very specific in addition to catching up with him today. So welcome back to the podcast, Kevin. It's, uh, it's good to have you. My pleasure, AJ. Happy to be here, man. So uh, as I said, uh, we do want to catch up with you, Kevin, but uh, for those of you who don't know or haven't been following uh, Kevin's sort of extracurricular activities uh, lately, super closely, Kevin is involved with, or did you help start this, or did you just get involved after they had already sort of begun uh, their work? For a change, AJ, actually, I did not start this, uh, <laughs> which, is, which is common for me. Uh, no, I, I got uh, requested to come into the group probably about uh, six months after uh, six or seven months after its existence, uh, it was started by, uh, Kevin Ashworth and Kevin McCorkle. We got a bunch of Kevins. It's a little crazy, but, uh, union working was started by them. It's, uh, led by Jim Connor and Rob Fitzgerald. Um, and I'm very proud to be a part of it. I've been a part of it now for about uh, seven months. Got it. Awesome. So Union Working is uh, an integrate, independent group of union actors dedicated to positive solutions for all union actors. You want to tell us a little bit more about what it is that you guys do and, and, and what you're up to. I'm really interested in talking about this in the midst of what well, we just finished, you know, our election. We've got our commercial contract negotiations. We've got the uh, uh, convention coming up. There's there's a lot going on right now in terms of the uh, governance and politics of the union. So I'm really fascinated to hear what a uh, you know nonpartisan independent group of actors is is looking to do to impact uh, the union and and the actors in it. Well, I mean, one of the main things, AJ, is that. Uh, any unionist, and certainly ours included, uh, the staff, the elected officials, the appointed people, they're all very limited in what they can and can't do with regards to who they speak to, how they speak to them, how they reach out to them. There are you know, just certain legal limitations and things that you can and can't do. Well, guess what? We don't have those. Uh, we can speak to, talk to, engage on any subject, any level with anybody we would like to. So that's that's one of the first things mm. that any any type of group like this would create uh, for itself would be a, a degree of independence and and a degree of sort of freewheeling that our union simply can't do. Now I don't want to miss. I don't want you to misunderstand me, AJ. That doesn't mean that we are not engaged with SAG after we are. Uh, we actually had our monthly May meeting uh, at SAG. Uh, most of ours occur at a church in uh, North Hollywood uh, on a monthly basis. But uh, it just gives us a great deal more independence than what our union actually has and from a legal standpoint. Our goal, most of the people who started this group and are in this group, the, what we call the core 10, aside from all of our supporters, are all long-term veteran vested actors who have a you know, severe vested interest in, in what's been going on, especially, AJ, let's just say for the last 17, 
years and change since the commercial strike of 2000. Not that you were here for that, but some people listening might have been and or might kind of wonder how things have gotten to where they are. And a lot of it started right there. And quite frankly, as we know, in the last five to seven years, we have seen not just a minor shift in the amount of non-union spots being done, but a major shift. Mm. We have gone from 30, 70 to probably close to 70, 30. Wow. And as you well know, AJ, it makes it a little difficult to make a living. Yeah. Yes, it does. So you're right in that I wasn't around uh, in 2000, or at least not in Los Angeles. I, w- I was not, you know, participatory in the uh, in the industry, and I only recently joined the union. So um, a lot of the, you know, governance and politics issues of of the union, what we're sort of fighting for as actors and all that stuff, is 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 actually quite new to me. So I I kind of attribute to uh, you know some of the um, infighting and these, you know, partisan groups and stuff to the merger of, uh, you know, five, six years ago. But uh, I know that there were, you know, uh, there was the, the, the writer's strike before that or, uh, yeah, before that. And then the and then now you're talking about this this commercial strike. So why don't you give us a, at least a brief history lesson of, uh, say, um, what happened 17 years ago and what it's rip what the ripple effect what how it's affecting where we are today well absolutely aj one of one of the things that existed back then was uh, there was a group that was first formed called performers alliance so there have been over the course of time there have been uh you know a number of what we would call you know groups or independent sets of folks who were trying to make changes now over the course of the last 17 years what came out of that and and, and just so your audience knows aj it was long before the merger um, Performers Alliance eventually kind of became membership first and then United for Strength existed, you know, not necessarily any different than Democrats or Republicans, certainly not an ideology similarity, but just the fact that there's this side and there's that side. Uh, most of the membership first folks who have been there since the old days would would have been the people who were the strongest group against SAG after ever merging. UFS would have been the folks who were actually very pro-merger or what more people uh, – you can't really say that they were – they lent themselves towards AFTRA. They just were simply more pro-merger. But one of the main things that occurred in the strike of 2000, AJ, was that uh, SAG had had a long-time agreement with the ATA, the Association of Talent Agents, and that's what allowed uh, – you had to be a SAG franchise agent uh, to actually function in the city. What – came out of that and what began coming out of that as we moved into the digital era was that agents were sick and tired of only being able to charge 10% and not being allowed to produce. And that was what the major push, that's why you saw in the mid to late 90s so many individuals take clients and become managers, which began the sort of management revolution uh, because managers certainly uh, from their inception had the ability to charge 15% and they have different types of contracts and they could also be producing bodies like Brillstein Gray. Uh, this is a lot of what led us to what happened at the commercial strike of 17. The strike was still about the strike. The strike was still, you know, the CPC and, and, SAG, af- uh, SAG after trying to get the best commercial deal, but the result of that strike was that SAG split from the ATA. 
and people began using general service agreements, uh, and that alliance was no longer there, so that now agencies could either be ATA franchised or be SAG franchised and be tied to the SAG contract and or use a general service agreement through the ATA. That was the main basis, AJ, of what occurred in 2000. What's happened since then politically and what's happened since then in terms of the two factions kind of within the union, Membership First and United for Strength, um, has become more defined over the last 17 years. But that's partly what led to merger, although I would still tell you, AJ, that Personally, since I've been here the whole time, uh, merger in some way was inevitable, but it's like a lot of things that I say. It's not what you do. It's how you do it. It's not what you say. It's how you say it. So there there are many people who simply were against merger in the history of time, and then there are those of us who maybe feel that the merger wasn't done well or wasn't done. As, and that's sort of what where we find ourselves today in not correcting the merger but continuing to negotiate our work contracts in the best interest of all of the different types of performers and types of employment that we have that fall underneath those two uh, monikers of SAG-AFTRA. Mm. That's kind of where we are today, yeah. So, so what would be the um, – I mean obviously it's difficult – I'm going to ask you a really tough question because there's probably no such thing as the right thing for everyone. But what would be an ideal situation in terms of – um, you know, moving, we, we are merged, right? It, it, it's done. So what would, what would be the, the, the sort of prop, um, most ideal, I guess, approach or the most ideal deal or the most ideal scenario for where we are now, the fact that we are, you know, post merge, uh, and, 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 and the best sort of scenario for, for actors in, in terms of, the current environment and the environment as you know, in terms of where it's going. Well, it, it is a tough question, AJ, only from the standpoint that you have, you have three, I think really challenging things that exist within us right now. Number one, and I, and I do mean this sincerely as number one, you just mentioned it. Uh, we just had an election and only 20% of our membership bothered to vote. So when you have, one fifth or four fifths of your of a membership of anything, whether it was the United States of America or anywhere else, when you have four fifths of an entity of people who don't seem to give a crap um, to take you know fifteen minutes to fill out a ballot, uh, then by definition you have a real problem of apathy, and that's not really a representation of what you're trying to get done. So that's number one. Number two, and. AJ, you could have asked me this question 20 years ago. You could have asked me this question 25 years ago. Yes, I've been doing this that long. <laughs> uh, and I would have told you 25 years ago, long before digital technology was a part of our day-to-day culture, long before we ever merged, I would have told you that our union leadership and where the money went and what was being made a priority and the amount of research that people were using and et cetera was five years behind. I would have told you that 25 years ago. Now I would just tell you that we're 15 years behind. Hmm. So now we've gotten more behind as we've gotten more forward. So you have an allocation and a focus within the union based on what you just said, AJ, the environment that we currently live in. Uh, So you have apathy 
you have, uh, I believe, way behind the technology ball in terms of how we address our contracts, because that's what it's all about, isn't it? Isn't what we do as a union supposed to be about working, you know, wages and working conditions? Yeah, that's what that's what W and W is for. That's why we have those groups. So, um, so you have those two problems, and then you have an entire set of people uh, that simply don't, in some way, they don't want they want to relitigate the merger. They want to tear. The the merger back apart. And that, by definition, is not going to get us moving forward. Once again, I'm not telling you, AJ, whether or not I was for or against merger. To me, I believe it was inevitable. And I believe it was inevitable for one simple reason, because the inception of SAG and the inception of AFTRA and why they were different for so many decades was simply because of technology. It was film versus videotape. Mm. It was it was radio before there was television. I mean, people don't realize that AFTRA was AFRA. It was the American Federation of Radio Artists because we didn't have TV. Right, right. So, so the T got put in there because we eventually had television. Okay, so what I, again, we can't relitigate this, AJ, but my frustration in the 90s was that we still, as all the way up to the 21st century, still had a separate theatrical contract in place for after shows shot on tape yeah. versus SAG television yep. shows shot on film. And the fact that our leadership can't see what's coming, like you don't read the news, <laughs> the fact that, that we, we allowed it, that was, that was the main separation between Screen Actors Guild, which again, this is the... This is one of my frustrations. And hey, man, I'm a longtime SAG member. I was a SAG member first. But screen actors means, right, film. Well, AJ, I'm sorry, brother, but when I moved here, there were about uh, 370 feature films made a year, and there were about 120 television shows. Now there's 400-some television shows, and there's about 65 features made a year. Yeah. So again, a lot of this is ego. A lot of this is name. A lot of this is about whether or not something's done on the big screen. Well, I got bad news for the planet. Uh, most people don't actually watch stuff on a big screen anymore. Hence the reason why AMC is is trying to keep from going out of business. Mm. So that a lot of this is just sort of to me silly. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say to someone I don't understand their point on that side. And I we are a nonpartisan group. Union working is a nonpartisan group, and I will remain with that group as long as that's what our stance is. We are not going to become a faction. We are not going to join any factions. But the concept is technology wise, it's more of a level playing field now, because first of all, it's crazy town and anything's possible. And second of all, taper film doesn't govern this industry in terms of a production standpoint or an inception standpoint like it used to. Yeah. And so therefore, to me, AJ, you know, honestly, merger was inevitable if you were going to be smart. Now, like you said, we still do have problems within that. Uh, you know, from the standpoint that we want to make sure that all of the people that are governed underneath that, and right now voiceover is one of the most difficult ones to try to uh, organize and keep as signatory for sure, because it's so easy, as we sit here and talk electronically, it's so easy to record a non-union voiceover spot. Um, But you have, you know, broadcasters and meteorologists and voiceover folks, and you have magazine anchors, and then you have feature film stars. I mean, that's other unions are not like that. That's why we're unique. And also, we don't tend to have to negotiate our union contracts with multiple employers. That's what makes 
makes us a guild. So you have some some real differences just sort of in our little world corner of the world here, AJ, that make the negotiation and leadership part of this. But I still stand by the fact, brother, that that the fact that we don't have better algorithms and we don't have ways to track the Internet and we don't. These are things that we when I say we're 17 years behind. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. It it, it makes me feel like um, <clears throat> that in the future. Uh, will almost become, you know, instead of SAG-AFTRA, the, 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 the Federation of Internet Performers, FIP, or something. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's all going into one bucket, um, but with a bunch of different... And it's interesting what you said about, you know, us being a, a unique um, union. You know, you're right. It's, it's not like a union of electricians or, Correct. you know, uh, uh, construction guy or something. You know, it's everybody... Not everybody, but uh, you know, there's all these different types of performers in in the union. I was also thinking about, you know, I was I was thinking about this during during the election, actually, about how crazily analogous this has all been to national politics, um, and you know, I was thinking, oh wow, this is okay. We have two parties. Um, you mentioned the apathy, right? People aren't voting. Um, you, you mentioned the infighting. You mentioned the the like different ideas. You mentioned, and then and now you're mentioning the we're behind. We're behind in technology, and it, and and it also seems like the the sort of the governance and the red tape and that kind of thing um, and the apathy makes it difficult to keep up. Um, because you know, I, I think about the things that you know the union has accomplished that we have gotten done. And I'm like, wow, I can't even, I've never been in those rooms. Maybe you have, Kevin. I've never been in those rooms. I can't imagine how difficult it must be to get some of this stuff done. And yet still, it's never really enough because, um, you know, it's sort of like the Red Queen theory of evolution. The Red Queen in Alice in Wonderland tells Alice, you have to keep running as fast as you can to stay in the same place. Uh, it's like we're running as fast as we can to stay five, 10, 15 years behind the times. That's, I, I, I have no idea how any group concerned with, you know, advancing its members could possibly turn this Titanic away well, from the various icebergs in, in the water. But, you know, I, I, so I commend you and, and, and the group for, for, your uh, work in that and your attempts at that. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, it's, it's, you are correct. It is, it does seem like uh, quite frankly, an impossible task at some point. And, and, and one of the reasons why AJ, when you, when you look, you are correct. It's completely analogous. Uh, I mean, I'll just give you some Clinton, you know, that's the craziest thing I've ever seen. Uh, so there you go. Uh, you know, and what it is about that is that, is that as you know, I'm the founder of the Actors Network. Well, in 1996, AJ, I sat down with my, with a, with a guy who was a member who was a programming genius and we set out to create the customized database that eventually ran the Actors Network for many, many years. Okay. That's 21 years ago, AJ. Now, about two years into this process, he made the comment to me that computer technology was moving so fast. And we're talking 98, AJ. He, he said to me, he said, you know, one year in the computer business is like 10 years in the car business. Now, yeah. that gap may have closed a little bit. But one of the main things that we are missing, and this is being, I know I kind of get there in a roundabout way, but just stay with me. 
One of the things that we're missing, in my opinion, is that we don't even parse out now what aspects of our contract need to be addressed sooner than once every three years. Mm. Are you kidding me? Yeah. In, in the world we live in today, we're negotiating, and I would probably change the union name to Entertainment Media Talent, EMT, so it sounds like, <laughs> so it sounds like we're always having a heart attack. Uh, <laughs> that'd, that'd be where I'd go. Yeah, um, yeah. FIP came out of my uh, butt uh, on, a, on a moment's notice, so uh, EMT, yeah, go with it. Yeah, I just, you know, but but by definition, just start with that. You and I were having a conversation about potential commercial contracts coming up and what's going on. And just start with the fact that we negotiate something every three years in the world that we live in today. Are you kidding me? Now, I know that you can't necessarily go through the entire election vote process all the time, but there are aspects of our contract now that actually, in my opinion, AJ, because of digital technology, have been actually easier to deal with than all of the separate forms, platforms and mediums that we used to have. And to me, you some of those just can't be done every three years. By definition, you're already behind the ball. Yeah. I mean, what happened in this past negotiation? I'm not telling you that the theatrical contract was was necessarily all wrong. It made certain steps and made certain strides that had to happen. I'm not disagreeing with it, but to me, some of those things should have happened 10, 12 years ago, three or four, three or four contract cycles ago, where we finally made the leap in, in negotiating with the AMPTP to finally get ourselves into a digital platform technology contract scenario. That's what I mean by being way behind. And so we just now accomplished something that was painful because for me, someone like myself, who's, who's been a longtime guest star actor, you know, we, we got zero. We got nothing. We got less than nothing. Uh, our wages have done nothing but gone backwards for the last 15 years. But, you know, again, to your point, being in that room, how you get something done, how you address something. And far too often, AJ, what, what gets addressed is the, per- the people who make the most noise from a particular group of our diverse group of performers who – perform entertainment and create dollars in entertainment in many different ways. And a lot of times the people who just show up and make more noise get more attention and it doesn't serve the possibility of all of us in the best way. And that's terribly frustrating for me. Union working, AJ, is we're spending time talking to commercial producers. We're spending time talking to commercial directors. We are actually talking to our casting directors. And again, these are things for that that our union can't do. Mm. The, the group they have to sit down and negotiate with is representing those. But our union can't go sit down and have a random conversation with, with a, a major commercial production company on the side having coffee. They can't do it. Well, we can. And we can ask them, hey, here's our contract. Let's pick it apart. Give me some sticky notes. Tell me what the landmines are that we're trying to arm ourselves, AJ, from the inside to go sit down with our leadership and go, stop paying attention to these seven things. Pay attention to these four things. That's part of what we can do that our union can't do, as we would say in legal terms, ex parte. We can do that, and they Mm. can't. Yeah, I was even thinking, you know, the convention, even the convention to ratify the Constitution happens every every two years. So, uh, you know, okay, three year cycle on the contracts, two year cycle on that. Um, it's all becoming uh, very clear what you guys are up to. So, speaking of what you're, you and union working are up to, um, and speaking of these, you know, conversations that you can have that 
the union can't um, for for legal uh, bureaucratic reasons. What what <laughs> what kind of <laughs> what how? I, I guess my question is: it's very um, it's almost childish, but but I think you'll understand the question. How? What's their incentive to sit down with you guys and tell you th- things that aren't necessarily in? their best interest come contract negotiation time like how 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 are you i mean you, you can't just be buying them pancakes like what what exactly uh, you know is the leverage here f- to sit down with somebody who is a a big you know commercial producer or co- commercial producing entity and go you know look we want this to work for both of us we want this to work uh you know for actors we're kind of getting left in the dust uh, like what's preventing them from going uh, yeah, that's we designed it that way so that we could make more money and, and pay you less. What? Why? Why are Why are we here? Do you get well, what I'm saying? First of all, how'd you know we were buying them pancakes? That's what I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was a uh, West Wing reference. Well, but here's the, but so so that's it's first of all, it's a very valid question. Second of all, is is the belief, and this is this is important. There are there are companies now that have gotten smart. Listen, this is part of what they do that we don't do enough of. And that is, you know, they have cost consultants now. There's Mm. there's there's a document that exists that I won't name because I can't out it. But there's a document that exists that basically shows how to produce a non-union spot and 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 try to break the union that exists out there. That's because corporate America. It does. That's because corporate America, AJ, um, takes the time and spends the time on on what they feel is important. Yeah. And sometimes what we don't do is we don't actually get close enough to the enemy to realize that actually a lot of them aren't the enemy. The answer to your question, AJ, is because a lot of production companies, a lot of producers, and especially a lot of directors and certainly casting directors, they don't want to do non-union spots. They actually don't. They hate it. They hate it. But what happens is if you're staring at a field that has uh, 7,000 landmines in it and you can actually see where they are, but the problem is you can see them, but you're not sure the other 60 people, a part of your crew and cast can see them all. And then there's one over here that has 17 landmines, and that's much easier to manage, even though you know you'd get a better product, even though you know you'd have a better work experience, and even though you actually, in the end, may not wind up saving that much money because certainly the length of time of commercial runs now has changed drastically since I first moved here, except they they rarely renegotiate things. The whole tide has turned, as you can see, with Flow and Progressive and and our friend Jim Connor, who's Larry Culpepper for Die Dr. Pepper Mm. for college football season. There are plenty of companies who will shoot union and spend a ton of money doing it because they want the – talent. They want their workday to go better. They want all of those things. But you also see people doing non-union buyouts now that are starting to creep up to five and 10, and in some cases, even 15 grand, because we have far too many people who are willing to do them and actually work off the card, which is part of what union working is trying to help bring a stop to. Because if we just dry up, then being able to use union talent uh, for non-union jobs, a lot of them can't stand doing non-union jobs casting directors on a many levels aj hate it but, but they're not a part of our union they have to pay their bills 
it makes it hard for them to turn down non-union work. But when you ask what the incentive is, I'm sharing with you that if you could really collectively put everybody in a room by themselves and they knew they were going to be able to give an anonymous answer, a lot of them would tell you they'd much rather work union. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, the client holds the purse strings. The client's the one who writes the check. And what's sad about it is, man, the extra money they would pay us for residuals, it's like it's not like it's getting used for post or getting used to shoot a better spot. No, they just they just have another brunch at shutters, dude. I mean, it's it's a little absurd, but the truth of the matter is we can recapture, which is why SAG after has the Corey program to recapture work. Um, we can recap recapture a great deal of this union work, but we can't have four fifths of our union not caring. Yeah. That, that's something you can't have. Yeah. Um, and, and you have to go about it intelligent. You have to make intelligent concessions, AJ. That's kind of what it is, what we're doing with a commercial contract in terms of ripping it apart and going, you know, do these four things over here that scare a production company from making a mistake and then getting fined because some second second didn't know this clause that was on page 227 of the thing? It's like that kind of stuff is what scares them from going union as often as they could. And we as a negotiating body on the other side go, does having this really serve us? Is there a way to wrinkle this so it doesn't mean as much? And then focus on these three or four things over here right. that if they weren't such, such large landmines in terms of surface space that a production company might go, oh, okay, cool. Now listen, you're right in, in the sense that, hey, I haven't sat at that negotiating table because I'm not allowed to, but – the point being is that that's kind of that's one of the angles that union working is working on is wait a second we're the actors we're going to break this down we're going to go sit with the enemy and we're going to go what the hell's going on mm. how 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 what what what's happening what what do, what do you want what do we come on and we're going to because we've done this we've done bunch of anonymous questionnaires out to the community to agents to managers to casting people to producers to directors we've gathered a bunch of stuff anonymously we can do that aj they can't guys welcome back hope you enjoyed part one of aj's updated conversation with mr kevin e west um as often happens when we record interviews sort of solo i I haven't had a chance to listen to this one yet but i'm really looking forward to digging in getting involved in union issues is something that i think is so important and the older i get the more i realize just how important it is to focus on that aspect of your career I think there's the creative portion, which is obviously very important. You want to be an authentic, creative, expressive, free, raw artist. There's the business aspect. And then there is the community aspect, which I think as you get older is less about, you know, like rubbing elbows with people in 99 seat theater circles. Not that that ever kind of goes away. I think that's important, but it becomes more about fighting for fair working conditions and being part of a community that's going to drive the industry forward uh, as technology and people and culture and civilization evolves. So really grateful to be having people like Kevin come back on the show and share this information and grateful for you, AJ, for hopping out there and tracking Kevin down and and making this uh, updated conversation happen. Yeah, we're super grateful to him. I know he's listening. And uh, yeah, thanks again, Kev, for, for coming back. Awesome. All right. Picks of the week. What is your pick of the week? 
I'm going to make you go first because I changed my pick of the week when I saw your pick of the week uh, because your pick of the week is what inspired me to get into all of this like backpacking and hiking business in the first place. I was so excited to see it up there on the on your uh, oh, on that's your outline. Cool. I was going to ask you if you had seen it. Um, yeah, but I, I yeah, guess you have. I, I, yeah, um, remember, so you told me about this when we went to Yosemite together, uh-huh. and then I got really into it. I, I consumed all of it. Like, I watched it all in one sitting, the entire series, and then that sort of led me to learn about all of these different, you know, um, rock climbers, and then I learned about Alex Hunold, and then while I was watching a documentary about Alex Hunold, I got the notification that he had free soloed El Capitan. Yeah, it's crazy. That all happened in like a 24-hour period after we got back from Yosemite. Literally overnight that happened. Yeah, so I, I was like freaking out, and I was like, what, what is my El Capitan? Like, what, 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 is, what, is, what is the message I'm being sent right now? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, that's how I got into the backpacking stuff, so that's why I picked my pick of the week. So you go first. Okay, well, let's not keep, sir, our, listeners inspiration. In, let's not keep our listeners in suspense any longer. Uh, my pick of the week is a web series called Into the Wild. I'm sorry, not Into the Wild. Great Wide Open. Great Wide Open, not Into the Wild. Into the Wild is... Uh, the second part of their documentary, 30 Seconds to Mars, is documentary um, after Artifact. So Great Wide Open is the name of this web series. And it's sort of co-produced with Budweiser. And uh, Jared Leto is the, the sort of man, the myth, the legend behind this particular web series, as he is behind so many things. The guy's a very multifaceted artist. He does a lot of directing and editing and, and music video. I mean, you guys know him. He does everything. Uh, include winning Oscars. So uh, it's a five-part web series about these different outdoors people, Uh, everybody from, you know, very noteworthy rock climbers and hikers to, like, park rangers. Like, there's an episode about a park ranger guy, and they, they speak so beautifully about... Uh, like wolves and our relationship to animals and the natural world. And it's just stunning videography and just really cool sort of segments of these guys, you know, belaying, you know, over cliff faces and hiking up to the top of these mountains. And uh, I really, I enjoyed it and I'm going to watch the whole five part series again. And it really inspired an appreciation in me all over again for the, the, the immense majestic gift that we have in our national parks. Uh, okay. So your pick of the week, these, these two hiking vloggers, which sounds like it's, uh, again, we are just on the same page. Well, yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I changed my pick of the week when I saw yours cause it, yours is what inspired me to, to do this. And I have been hesitant to, um, pick these these hiking vloggers because it seems so niche, but uh, whatever. This is uh, our podcast. So anyway, um, I have been following. Now there's this huge. Um, there's this very interesting movement uh, in the sort of social media internet world, meeting the outdoors enthusiast, backpacker, through hiker world. And it's people taking advantage of that technology in order to put out information. Uh, a lot of vloggers, YouTubers, um, these these individuals who will not only you know do all this research and learn all this stuff about hiking and whatnot, but then they will put out good content online. And it's fun. It's actually been funny watching the content get better and better as they put these videos out. 
Uh, but these two in particular are two that I follow a lot and I've gotten a lot of information from. So if you are considering becoming an ultralight, you know, backpacker or a through hiker or something like that, this is a great, th- these are two great people to sort of start with. Um, and they even have videos that they've done on how to do ultralight on a, on a budget so that you don't have to break the bank spending, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of dollars on the, on the gear that you need. Um, so the two that I follow most are, uh, uh, Darwin, uh, which I believe is his trail name. That's not his real name. Darwin on the trail. So that's uh, youtube.com slash Darwin on the trail. And then, um, this uh, woman named Daisy who, uh, has a channel called homemade one homemade wanderlust. Um, and she is actually in the middle of and maybe completing, she may have completed actually the PCT, the uh, Pacific Crest Trail, which is something that I would love to do at some point. And she documented the entire thing uh, over the course of like 30 or 40 or 50 little um, 10, 12, 15 minute YouTube videos uh, this 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 year, starting in, in April and going through to she's she may have either just recently finished or is is nearing nearing the end of that. So those are two of my favorites. Great content, great information to kind of get you started. And um, I, I've spent countless nights and hours just listening to and watching uh, their videos. So wanted to give them both a, a shout out. Hmm. Very cool, man. Very cool. I'm going to check them out. I, I am excited to learn how to camp on my own and learn how to go, you know, long-term hiking on my own. Um, so I'm definitely going to check that out. That sounds great. I was going to use one of our listener picks as a segue into an announcement that we uh, didn't make at the top. Um, so one of our listener picks actually comes from Jasmine. And so I wanted to use that as an opportunity to talk about um, our Q3, Q3 review, which is coming up. So it snuck up on us. And we've only got a couple of episodes, two or three episodes um, that are going to be published beforehand to announce it. So I don't want to, um, let it go by. So if you are interested, we did this last quarter it was a, a big success, really cool group of people got together, um, to do a quarterly review and Jasmine, who is quickly becoming our resident coach, uh, was there to kind of facilitate this. Um, and it was really awesome. I was there. Grace was there. Uh, a few other listeners and, um, and not even people who were just, you know, came because of who Jasmine is, uh, showed up. So, uh, it looks like we're going to be doing it Sunday, October 1st at 3 p.m. in Culver City. So mark your calendars. That's Sunday, October 1st at 3 p.m. in Culver City. Um, uh, Jen Levin, who is our production coordinator, will be hosting. So we'll get you the exact um, details when you RSVP. Um, Jasmine, we're, they're sort of working out the details still, but Jasmine may also be joined by uh, one of our listeners who is getting into coaching as well. So it might be sort of a co-facilitated thing. Uh, so Sunday, October 1st, 3 PM in Culver city, just reach out to us. We, um, and, and yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. T- tweet us, um, send us an email inside acting, uh, at what is it? Inside acting podcast at gmail.com or one of the, uh, support uh, email support at, at inside acting.net, uh, to put in your RSVP. We'll, we'll sort of, we'll, we'll get them all, um, amalgamated and figure it out. Awesome. There's also a Facebook group. Uh, there's also a Facebook event that you can RSVP to Great. as well. So we can put a link to that in the show notes for this episode. Awesome. Yeah, I I, I apologize. I didn't see this on the outline. Sadly, uh, I can't make it. I'm scheduled to work uh, that Sunday right during the meeting. But it um, 
it's something that uh, I am so glad we're doing again. Jasmine is a very gifted coach, and she just has a wonderful, loving, compassionate, supportive energy that when you spend you know any sort of significant time with her, you just become sort of infected with it in the best possible way because you just start realizing, uh, for me, I'll speak for myself, two things that I experience when I hang out with Jasmine. Number one, I can do anything. And number two, mm-hmm. number two, love is the way. Love is all that matters. And I feel like Jasmine just radiates both of those things. And so hanging out with her and getting coaching from her, guys, is a gift. So please take advantage of it. Sunday, October 1st, 3 p.m. I wish I could be there. Maybe I'll see if I can scoop my schedule around to, to make it happen. Um, but I, I'm, so glad. Awesome. I'm so yeah. glad that we're doing this again. Uh, for the, for Just for everybody who gets to experience it. Awesome. So uh, that is uh, Great Wide Open, the web series that you can check out on YouTube, as well as these two hiking vloggers, Darwin and Daisy. And then uh, be sure to RSVP for Jasmine's um, coaching session coming up on the 1st at 3 p.m. There will be an RSVP link on our website to the Facebook event. And then I think that's it for this episode. Anything else that I'm missing? That's it. (laughs) That's all she wrote. All right. Today's episode of the podcast was produced and hosted by me, Trevor, and you, AJ. Uh, Jen Levin, Gadali Gubrak, Deborah Smith, Grace Gordon uh, are the IAP team, and Fernlim designed our logo. I went ahead and uh, handled the sort of technical production on the episode today. And uh, that's the team right there. You can sign up for our weekly email dispatch and listen to all of our episodes at our website, InsideActing.net, including Kevin's uh, prior episodes. Go check those out. You can find us on social media and wherever you get your podcasts. If you've got a minute, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. That really helps us out a lot. Big thanks to our sponsors, Rehearsal Pro, VO2Gogo.com, and PrintHeadshots.com. And a big thanks to you guys, our listeners. You can visit our website to subscribe to our weekly newsletter, get links to everything we've talked about in this and every episode. And if you'd like, you can support us uh, with a continued or one-time financial contribution to help us keep the lights on, pay for production costs, and keep this thing coming at you each and every week. Uh, Just head over to InsideActing.net to learn more and to show us a little bit of love. And that is it for episode 291. Man, that number's getting big. Of Inside Acting, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, flex your hustle muscle. <laughs>